what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locally Sourced Podcast. On today's episode, we have Jackie Murphy. Jackie Murphy is a middle school teacher and a Renaissance woman in the terms of she has many talents in the arts and crafts field. Uh, Jackie, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Definitely. I appreciate all your time. How's uh, the world going so far as a teacher? Um, well, the teaching field, it is definitely um, chaotic pandemonium. We're all just doing our best to survive. Um, I have to say that the teachers have learned at breakneck speed how to transfer transform a, um, a, a paper-based curriculum into the digital world, you know, and it's really astounding what we've been able to do. And actually my, my tech guy uh, who works in our building, he just looks at me one day, he goes, they have no clue what you guys did and what you're doing right now with no training. Like, cause that's the thing is that we did a lot of it with no training and like, thank goodness there's Facebook groups out there that are willing to share like their tips and tricks and TikTok that, you know, teach there's teachers on there saying, Hey, look what I learned. And we're able to kind of work as a community to kind of get through this unprecedented year. Right. You know, I, it's, I can't imagine teaching right now in, in person. I'm sure it's, there's so much involved and now you have just extra pieces on your plate to deal with. So I think I sp- speak on behalf of everybody. We just appreciate uh, all the efforts you make. Um, so do you want to give us just a little background on who you are and what you enjoy doing? Sure. Um, I'm an English teacher. I've been teaching in middle school for about uh, 12 years now. and um, yeah, I mean, I really strive with my my classes to create um, interesting lessons that go beyond just the paper and pencil. I'm, I'm a real advocate for um, kinesthetic learning where I get the kids out of the classroom. I take them to the auditorium. We go outside, like we go for walks around the school building just to try and learn in as many different platforms as we can. And one of my favorite things, which is part of the reason why I became an educator, is being able to create um these really interesting projects and lessons for my kids that go beyond just, you know, analytical essays. Now, don't get me wrong. I love analytical essays and I love writing and all that. But really when you see your students shine is when you give them the creative pen and you let them run with it. So I enjoy making the model projects for my kids um, as well as, um, you know, let, seeing what they come up with on their own um, and how they utilize technology now and, and you know, their creative, their creative side. Um, beyond that, I'm a mom of two. Um, so that's also been interesting in a pandemic when we were in full lockdown, you know, teaching seventh, second and preschool all at the same time. <laughs> um, that was quite a challenge, but we made it through. Thank goodness. My oldest is really, really savvy and a brilliant kid. So she's really been able to kind of manage her school life on her own. You know, and then I've, my son is just more of your typical preschooler that just wants to run and jump and scream. So, <laughs> so did he <laughs> do homeschool preschool? I'm sorry, say again. Did he, did he do homeschool preschool? Uh, no, actually, um, our school district, we were very fortunate that our school district fought to keep the little ones in full time. Um, so he's been able to actually have the most normal school experience out of all of us. Uh, my husband's also an educator, too, at the high school level at a vocational school. Um, so really, my son's the only one who's actually had a normal school year where, I mean, he's had some remote time when we've had to go into quarantine. Um, and that's been kind of chaotic because I'll have to be, you know, live Zooming with my kids while also simultaneously Zooming with preschool. And, you know, they're singing songs and matching colors really loudly while I'm trying to, you know, I don't know, do something with something dark. <laughs> You're reading morbid. Beowulf and all of a sudden you hear like, what color yeah, is yeah. the triangle? <laughs> 
Well, props to you doing all of that. I mean, I can't imagine teaching and having kids at home and remote schooling. So I'm sure it helps with your daughter being so tech savvy. I'm sure she could teach me some things as well. She's taught me some things. She'll be like, mom, this is how you crop a picture in Google Slides. I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> well then, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, in addition to that, you have a lot of creative hobbies. Do you, do you want to just talk about a few of those? Sure. I mean, um, since I was a young kid, probably about actually in middle schools, when I realized that I had a, a knack for drawing, um, best friend of mine, her older brother had noticed my doodles and was like, you know, you should like keep a portfolio. And, you know, he was all big and handsome and whatnot. I'm like, oh, yes, I should. You know, so for you, uh, anything. I'll do anything because some boy paid attention to me. Oh, my God. Um, but yeah, actually, that was the trigger, though, that actually got me to start keeping my work and start improving my work um, from there. And yeah, so I primarily I, I have a uh, fondness for uh, charcoal. Charcoal is really um, where I excel. Um, but I dabble in all different kinds of styles and try different things out. Um, do collage and uh, paint acrylic painting haven't gotten into oil painting yet but primarily right now I'm working in acrylics and uh, charcoal charcoal pencil um, in addition to that I've also expanded into wire working with uh, jewelry making and that's been pretty cool I've gone to a couple of craft shows um, which is really intimidating so uh, there's a craft show that does run annually through UMass Lowell called uh, women's work and it focuses obviously primarily on women and the crafts that women create. Um, but there are some amazing, amazing, amazing artisans that go to that craft show every year. Um, unfortunately, this year we haven't been able to do that. Um, but I am hoping that I'll get reinvited to um, do that again because it was really awesome to see the amazing artists, musicians, singers, everyone that was able to attend those that um, that event. Now, did you like crafting as you were younger? Is there anyone in your family kind of promoting that type of um, hobby? In my immediate family, no. I have a relatively small family. Um, I don't have many cousins or aunts or uncles or anything like that. However, my late aunt, who is my father's older sister, she actually was the resident artist in the family and I actually never got to meet her. She died like two months before I was born. So in kind of this supernatural vibe, um, my grandparents always believed that I inherited her soul because I had never seen her work. I had never, you know, seen, I had never interacted with her. And, you know, it's where I'm old enough that there wasn't a lot of video or recordings of this woman for me to get to know her in any form, shape or form. And as I got older and started showing my grandparents my drawings, they would like get this look of like freak out, like panic on their faces. And they're like, how do you know how to draw that way? Like, why do you draw that way? Because I had a tendency to draw really, um, intricate repetitive things like scales on a mermaid and it would be this really elaborate thing that I would draw for you know days on end and that was the same type of style um that she drew in which I had never seen her draw before so it kind of freaks my dad and my my grandparents out um because I'm so much like her and they constantly said that you know it's it's such a shame that she died because you guys would have been best friends and actually that I know our listeners can't see but the painting you see over my shoulder that's actually her painting um that I inherited that's awesome have you seen any other artwork she has done Yes, I actually own quite a bit of it. Um, so she did a lot with painting, um, owls. She actually, her, um, she had her own card business, like Hallmark had hired her to do like greeting cards. And um, so she was designing greeting cards. 
and um, her company was Fly By Night. So to kind of honor and pay homage to her, my painting, you know, paint and art company is uh, Paint By Night. And my dad got all emotional with that and just thought it was really nice. And I kind of piggybacked off of her logo. Her logo was um, a witch on a broom with the, the crescent moon and mine very similar, except I've changed the broom to a paintbrush. Um, so that's kind of how all of this came about. <laughs> That's incredible. Now, when you're painting, can you, do you see the similarities as you have a finished project and compared your work to hers? Um, yeah, I'd say probably we, we do have some similarities. Um, I think hers is more reminiscent of her time period. Like it's much more seventies in style just because that was the time she was growing up in. Um, but it's kind of wild to think that like I outlived her. Like she died when she was 33 years old. And to me as a kid, like I just thought she was like this older person. And now that I'm turning 36, I'm like, oh my God, she died so young. <laughs> right. So. And it's nice, I, you know, they see that in you because unfortunately since she passed so early, they kind of can see her and you and kind of reminisce about her mm -hmm. artistic qualities and how you kind of have the same quality. So that must be really nice for your family to kind of honor her in that way and kind of see her in your art and kind of, um, you know, that type of support in your art that your art can give off as well. Yeah, I know my dad really appreciates it. I know that like he gets all kind of emotional and overclumped when I show him things and explain things. And when I have my successes, I think he, it reminds him of the success his sister could have had, um, had she lived. So. Right, and that's awesome. I think it's just so cool how um, art can do that in a way, the way you uh, express yourself and whether it be art music however it's nice to see that you know all of a sudden you discover back in the day oh your great great grandfather was actually a singer at this local pub or something yeah so that's really cool about how art works out that way or any talent you have how it goes back to generation to generation and kind of follows you and kind of like baldness it skips a generation <laughs> and hits the third generation exactly. so thankfully you didn't get the baldness you got the artistic quality yeah. Fortunately, I've got a full head of hair, so <laughs> that's very good, especially as a mom of two teaching at home. Yeah, the fact that we can still manage a full head of hair is quite an achievement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's cool too to watch my kids grow and, and you know get their interest in art because I mean, you know, I've got my home studio, so they see all the, the types of things that I have um, available to me in the house. Um, and my daughter, she's very much getting into drawing and she's very good at it too, so she likes more. Um, how to draw like cute stuff and like kawaii uh style things so everything is very um oh what is that what's the hello kitty-ish kind of cutesy so like big round faces yeah sort of, which is awesome i think you know whatever you can draw is fine with me i can't do a stick figure so <laughs> i'm sure her art works probably 10 times better than i could ever do but that's real i mean it's just a great way for kids to express their feelings, just passing the time, give them a hobby to do, you know. Um, did this start off as a hobby or was it just kind of something you found over the years you started to enjoy? Um, for me, I think it, it just started out as, as a hobby. Um, I think in middle school, you know, growing up in the 90s and you start developing your, um, your musical taste, it, it really kind of started around that. And I mean, the, the punk um grunge look I was really into so a lot of like the cd covers that I would buy I would try and recreate the cd covers in like a larger scale um so that's kind of where it started is was drawing my favorite band bands really 
And then um, from there, I just kind of progressed outward and then, you know, got into AP art in high school. Um, and everyone kind of thought I was going to go into art and I got nervous and, you know, um, our friend Dan Petchy, um, you know, he was a, a feat to be challenged with and, you know, he just had more skill there than I did. And I kind of got like nervous and cold feet that, you know, I don't think I'm quite at his caliber. I'm not going to be successful um, at that and talked myself out of it really. And then I think now as an adult looking back, I'm kind of kicking myself uh, for not going in that, that direction. You know, I was just going to ask you that because I think, I don't know if you had the chance to listen to my podcast with Danielle Festa, but she did mention oh, yes. if you're going to follow something in art, always have something to the side that will help you make money and live a life as you enjoy what you do in terms of creating. Um, you know, if you were to go back, would you consider doing art as a full-time major or is it something you would consider in addition to whatever you do now? in terms of majoring in teaching? So I think teaching is in a, teaching now, I don't know about teaching like 20 years ago, but teaching now is an absolutely emotional and physical exhaustion. Um, It has consumed my life. And like, and I'm a, I am a pretty uh, work to rule kind of teacher. And I don't know if you're familiar with that, but that means pretty much like you start at 710, and your contractual day, it ends at 2.10, and I don't do a darn thing after that. Now, so I know some people are going to go, oh my gosh, you must be such a terrible teacher that you don't spend all of your downtime lesson planning. No, I've learned. I've learned that it is not worth it, especially as a mom of two, um, that for my own sanity, there has to be some delineation between where your workday begins and where your workday ends. And if you let that run over, um, you will lose your soul. Um, and not, you know, and it's not that I don't love my kids at school. Um, it's not that I don't love what I do. It's just, fortunately, after 10, you know, 12 years experience, I don't need to lesson plan in the ways that I, I that I was taught in, in college and in the beginning of my years. I don't need to do that. Like, I've been doing this long enough that I know what I'm doing. Um, now, that doesn't mean that there's no room for growth. I absolutely learn and grow and continually take classes. Um, but I've actually kind of shifted my focus less on my students and more on teachers. Um, I've gotten much more involved in union work and dealing with the MTA and um, the, you know teachers unions at large um, because I'm, I'm tired. I'm exhausted of the way that teachers are, are managed in this country and the way that they are treated in this country. Um, so what's bringing me more happiness right now is actually fighting for teachers benefits um, because I see that like immediately affecting my coworkers and my coworkers are my family. Um, so that's actually bringing me greater joy right now than actually the act of teaching. Um, especially because right now the act of teaching is so far removed from what we normally would be doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, so in that aspect, I'm, making progress, I guess. I don't remember what the original question was. That's okay. <laughs> do you, well, do you think you you maybe could have been an art teacher? With, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, that's I mean, all right. I, 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 I enjoyed that part though, because I felt you in so many ways as a, as a past teacher, my dad, he has the same mentality. He's a veteran teacher and he, you know, as a veteran teacher retired and went back to teaching. He's like, I'm not staying all these extra hours because the principal asked me, that's not how it works anymore. Um, but I totally get it in that retrospect, but do you think it would, it would be different now if you maybe followed your art, your art, um, talent and kind of went to school for art or would you ever thought about being an art teacher in a second life? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think, um, I don't know if I'd want to be an art teacher per se. Um, I know that I do that to some aspect with, you know, when I did the paint um, party situations and that that's fun. But what was fun about that was that I was my boss though. Um, I think if I was teaching art in a school district, I wouldn't enjoy it as much because I wouldn't have as much control. Um, and I think all teachers are in, in a sense are control freaks so that you want to have your, your own space in your bubble and you want to have the same as to what your curriculum is, so to speak. Um, and I think what the paint nights do is they give you that control that you are the artist, you control what the painting is, you control the pace, um, how much and how often you want to do it. So, I mean, if I could, you know, sell myself in like a paint bar and actually become a corporate kind of thing, then yes, but I feel like I would definitely need more um, like a minor in business or a, a second major in business to make that, to make it truly effective. Um, as a, a viable source of income because you know then I'd be self-employed and you have all those things that come along with you know health insurance and things like that <laughs> that's um, true which is expensive here in the United yeah. States so I yeah I, so I get it have how did you get involved with um the group paint parties so um I actually went to a paint night it was my first one I'm like oh well this will be fun you know I like painting and, and whatnot and um they actually said that I could be a teacher that they're like oh well you could join us um so I did so I contacted the woman who had run the, the night that we were at and she hired me as like a an apprentice and I went to a show but you know what the, the way that it's actually managed is like garbage um you had to go to this woman's house pick up the supplies you had, you had to drive to the location then you had to run the location then you had to clean the location then you had to bring all the extra supplies back to her house which is not convenient um so even though it looks relatively easy to do when you're involving someone being your boss as part of the, this corporation it's not easy i'm like i've got two kids they have dinner and you know it, it just didn't work well so that's why i rather did it under my own name and then kind of, you know, breached, branched out into, um, you know, just local paint parties the, what, that I could choose what was convenient and what wasn't convenient for me and what works for my family. Um, because working for the paint night company was not going to work out for me. I'm sure it does for like other people, but just not for me. <laughs> right. And that's, I think that's the hardest thing when you work for anybody, no matter what field you're in, um, it's hard for them to always understand your balance of family to working. You, what do you think about the corporate paint night companies? Like they have one in Linfield and they have a few yeah. others. What are your thoughts about that? Um, I really don't have an opinion one way or another. I mean, I think it's a really cool idea. I wish I had been savvy enough to done that myself, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they're a great experience for people who don't think that they're artsy or don't think that they can um, make something creative and cool. And, and everyone can. Um, I mean, art is really for everyone and it's, it's really brought like Bob Ross to the real world. You know, I mean, this is like, I think what Bob Ross would have, would have done in his next steps had he lived, you know, it was like, all right, well, let's, you know, have some happy little paint nights here. Right. You know? We'd have happy trees <laughs> everywhere, growing happy everywhere. Trees everywhere. And that's awesome. Cause I think, um, when, you know, when I was talking to the owners of Ceramica of Stoneham, it's amazing mm -hmm. how things are evolving and that people of our age, not that we're of age but old but I think we're just looking for different things to do and paint nights are great because you get to have fun you can be creative you get to take it home it just has a lot of pieces to it that makes for a fun night and yeah I, I mean, mean I'm sure you see it when you host the parties there's mm -hmm. 
people who just really enjoy it. And even if you're artistic or not, you can just be there and have fun and laugh at what you painted. Yeah. And I mean, I think too, with the, the pandemic, I think people are really, um, really waking up and realizing how overworked we all are as a society and that American puritanical, you know, work ethic society is not right. <laughs> you know, that we have far too much emphasis on the nine to five, um, you know, work style. And I think the pandemic has allowed people to breathe and actually, I, I shouldn't even say that, you know, we're pandemic, we're to an extent, I, breathe, to quote, extent. unquote, air quotes on that one. <laughs> breathe from their, you know, their work lives and reconnect with themselves as creative beings and as creative people and say like, oh, I actually really love gardening. And I never knew that I loved gardening. And my biggest fear is, is that when the vaccine rollout is, is complete and that people are going back to normal, like I really don't want us to go back to normal. I think there have been so many things proven to us that we don't have to live that way anymore. There's so many other ways that we can get the work done without the sacrifice of our creative intellectual beings. Um, and I'd hate to see all these people that have discovered that they're artists and gardeners and painters and jewelry makers and you know small business owners feel like they have to stop all those beautiful things that they just started to go back to an office and right. lose all that creative time that they now had because they're working from home. So I'm, I'm really hopeful that that's not what happens. Um, but I feel like corporate America might, you know, you know, it was, it, I was, yeah, I was just talking about that with my brother. We were talking about just in general, how many days off we get as nine to fivers. And he's like, you know, when you travel to various countries and you speak with foreigners, it's like, oh, how long are you here for? They're like a month. That it's just, that would be never heard of here in the United States. We maybe get a day or two and you have to take pay, uh, not paid overtime or paid time paid off. You don't get money for the extra time you take off. And that's the thing about the United States. It's just incredible how pushed we are every day and our creative piece won't come out. Um, so hopefully, like you said, when this pandemic ends, companies kind of see the importance of work-to-life balance and how much they were pushing their employees to stress levels that were are, are unnecessary. Um, yeah, and I think it's also beneficial for the companies as well, because if you can close your brick and mortar and function completely virtually, you're actually going to be saving money, you know, so right. who knows? Hopefully, fingers crossed. Have you seen, um, as uh, these companies come about, the paint companies, have you seen it evolving in terms of increasing numbers of people interested in painting, having paint nights with you guys? Um, well, I'm not actually affiliated with anybody. I'm, I'm completely Right. I'm sorry. Um, uh, just yeah, yeah. Your, yourself in general, have you been getting more clients or groups? Um, me, I've actually kind of, with the pandemic, I pulled back from, from doing them just for safety reasons. Um, but I have had people actually reach out to me during the pandemic. And I'm like, I don't know how that would work virtually. And I really don't want to deal with the liability of, well, that wasn't cleaned and someone came and they were, you know, close contact. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not comfortable with that, but I think before the pandemic, I think they really were taking off and this kind of, um, 
increase also with plant nights, like people making these little terrariums and, you know, just anything like crafty seemed to be on a real uptick. These, these nights that you could go and have some kind of learning happening um, in a contained and confined space that's manageable. You don't have to worry about purchasing all these things to create. And then that's the thing too, is that to be an artist, you have to invest a boatload of money um, if you're going to do it in any kind of professional manner with the amount of, you know, pieces and, um, materials and to, I mean, for me to do uh, paint parties out of my house, um, that was a $600 investment, you know, just to buy easels and canvases and paintbrushes and, you know, aprons, the totes to carry this stuff and to get it from place to place. And then the paints and distribution containers that actually have the pump, you know, squirter things, paper plates to put on that. And you don't think, um, and I might even be undershooting myself at 600, but I know it was at least around $600. Um, you don't know how much money that actually takes to get off the ground. But fortunately, you know, if you're, you know, I priced myself kind of median ranged because you can buy a Groupon and get, you know, paint night for $20. Um, but if you were to just buy it off the shelf, it's like $45 a night, which is pretty reasonable for an hour's worth of work. It's what I would normally charge um, as a tutor, you know? Um, so that makes sense. So I would just kind of price myself middle of the road. I'm like, well, I come to you. <laughs> so I have the supplies. <laughs> yeah, here's the supplies. I come to you. Um, yeah. And it's more private. You don't have yes. to work with, you know, not that it matters with strangers, but you can book like a nice private intimate painting sessions with your friends or family, which is really neat. Um, do, you, do you kind of have an, do you kind of know why these are increasing? Do you kind of see, um, are people just kind of getting sick of going to bars? Do you have, do you kind of have an idea why that's increasing? I think people, um, like to do things without like I think they want to be able to say that they have created something um in a low pressure environment um where you I mean really it's just a fun experience you know I mean it's low pressure you're with your friends if you mess up no one's really going to judge you um and it's just like a nice way to um have like an adult experience but also having the fun of being like a child you know, because right. the fact little, that you can paint with wine is just so yeah. important right there. I mean, I think as we get older and I, I say this with like, with reading, too, and why Audible has like really taken off as well, is that when we become an adult, there's this kind of pervasive feeling that suddenly all fun needs to stop. <laughs> and what you start to realize as you, you know, when with these paint nights and plant nights and Audible, um, you're never too old to have someone read you a story to create something and to laugh with your friends. And I think that's why a lot of these things have taken off is that, you know, millennials in particular are like, no, we, we're, we're not going to live this um, grind kind of nine to five lifestyle and not take time to connect with people. Right, and you know what? You probably would never find me in a club anymore. So <laughs> yeah, these paint nights are like the best social too? thing. I can't believe what was the club in us? Saugus, not Saugus. What was it? Oh my god! Oh, um, rain. Rain. I don't think rain I think in I've the paradise. Once, once in my entire life. Um, so. Oh man, I loved clubs, but they were so sketch. <laughs> well, thankfully, you. Won't, I don't. I mean, I don't think anyone's hit on anyone through paint night, but thankfully. <laughs> Those are a little more safe and fun. Um, and, and, you know, I think, I don't know if you agree, but it seems like social media media has helped bring out our 
initiative to want to be more creative we get to see all these things people do on instagram tiktok mm-hmm. even pinterest back in the day it kind of brought out our creative side so thankfully you know things like that kind of help the industry in terms of everybody you know they see something on pinterest and they want to create that magical bouquet or wreath and so forth so i don't know if you agree with that but that definitely helps me i see something on pinterest i'm like let me recreate that wooden sign for my house or something in that realm Absolutely. I mean, I'm constantly using social media to get my inspiration for things and to learn things that like, you know, just this morning I was using a TikTok trying to figure out my hairdo. I was unsuccessful with my hairdo. However, I will not give up. I'll get back to figuring out what the heck she did up there. Um, but I use it all the time for hair, makeup, um, art ideas, but, and you know, things, things too, like you see someone create something and you're like, oh, wow, that's really expensive. And then you have to pay shipping but I bet you I could do that for less. <laughs> that's always, that's always us. Let me see if I can do it for less. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Which is know, great. And it allows you, once you do it for less, you're like, okay, I can make that wooden sign that says faith for maybe $5 cheaper without shipping. I can go to a craft store and buy some paint and just like anything like home improvements. Oh, I can fix that table for less than that contractor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, thanks to the internet and YouTube, you can basically do anything you want over the world. Absolutely. And I think that's also, um, I've seen a little bit of buzz on this on the internet too, um, that YouTube really is almost making it, um, changing the narrative about whether or not you actually need a college degree to be successful. Because now that you have literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of videos that you could just do everything completely virtually on your own pace and your own time and not ever technically get a degree, but be a completely successful business person. And I think you're starting to see a shift with the the, uh, Gen Z um, that are taking that route and venturing off just being completely self-taught. Right. You know, it's funny. One of my friends, Mac, we used to hang out back in the day. He, um, on Facebook, I was following him a year ago and he started watching Bob Ross videos and he started doing these paintings. I'm like, that's incredible. Like it looked exactly like the painting and he's a, he's an electrician. (laughs) It's like, who would have thought you could just learn a Bob Ross skill off of YouTube or the internet, but usually it was cable access TV, but here we are. We got Bob Ross at our fingertips, which is amazing. It allows everyone to try it in the their homes. They don't have to get embarrassed mm-hmm. doing it in front of everyone and gives them the opportunity through trial and error, just following the videos. So thank you, YouTube, to whoever created it. I'm not quite <laughs> sure. I don't know the creator. I don't know who it is. Mark, what's his name? Zuckerberg. I'm not sure, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know who creates YouTube. <laughs> We could probably probably ask your daughter. I bet you your daughter would know. I know she probably does. She's like, well, it was this guy. And then he bought this guy out. Um, But you know, it's just incredible how us, our our generation, just generations above us and all of us are creating art and connecting with one another through art. You know, it's, it's different. I think it's a different world with the way we look at art these days, you know, it's just Hmm. not for artists, but it's for everyone. It's open to, um, just anyone who has an interest, like plant night for people who don't garden, but they can create a little tranium or a little mm-hmm. plant for the night. Um, in addition to painting, you also make jewelry. Do you want to ca- talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, I mean, that just came about on uh, my friend Jan. She's like, you know what, you'd be good at that. And I said, yeah, I probably would be. So I went out and bought some and here we are. <laughs> That's awesome. What kind of jewelry do you make? I know, but why don't you tell everyone else? Yeah, I, I primarily focus with wire work, um, which is, you know, twisting and braiding and adding adding beads uh, to, to it. Um, usually I make a lot of pendants and earrings. Um, it is a struggle though. I mean, I'm, I'm not one that's 
great about measuring things. So like my consistency isn't really great. <laughs> um, but I do like it. I find it extremely therapeutic because a lot of the, um, the motions are repetitive. Um, if you're doing something that, you know, is a pattern or, or whatnot. Um, so you can really lose yourself in the, the moment. And I would, you know, definitely recommend it for anyone who is anxiety ridden because, just that repetitive motion, listening to an audiobook while you're doing our music, you can really tune out all of the noise that, you know, goes on in your head every day. Um, so I, I really like it in the sense of it, it brings me a lot of meditative qualities and helps me relax, probably more so than any other art that I do. Um, which is kind of funny because I've been doing the other stuff for so long and I don't know why like drawing and painting isn't as relaxing as the, the wire work, but I, I think it's the repetitive motion that you don't have to think about what you're doing and what stroke you're going to make next because you know that you're, you're wrapping it around for the next 14 minutes, so. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because for me, I would think sitting there staring at this wire and twisting it the whole time would kind of give me anxiety, but you're right, probably the repetitive piece, it's maybe like sewing, you don't have Absolutely. to think about it because for the next 14 minutes, there's no change. You're just going to be wrapping it and wrapping and it kind of allows you to zone out and just enjoy the time being quiet and listening mm -hmm. to your audiobook and just knowing that you don't have to think, but you are thinking at the same time. So I, I do understand that, you know, I think just in general, having that type of outlet and allowing you to apart, detach yourself from the world is, is just nice in itself. I'm glad that you bring up knitting because I actually saw um, uh, some TikTok videos related to that same vibe with um, crocheting and why like crocheting is actually beneficial for people who um, have ADHD or anxiety um, and just all the benefits of that kind of repetitive motion is that you're getting out you know all this energy it's predictable if you don't like it you can get rid of it if you love it you can go further there's always something new to learn with it and I think the wire working is the same thing it's just you know a different medium but you're essentially doing the same type of work with it that again you're repetitive patterns so you don't have to think um but if you want to make them non-repetitive you absolutely can you have that freedom to do it so it's definitely been beneficial for me um, and it brings my heart joy. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That's so lovely. <laughs> and that, and, and, and even though we joke about it, it just brings you joy. And I think mm -hmm. that's the best part about it. I was just going to ask you, you know, with all these hobbies or, you know, just talents you have, what has it helped you learn about yourself and life in general? Um, it's definitely that I need to do more of it. Um, cause I, I do find that when I'm creating, when I have a spell, like if I'm on a school break or something and I'm able to just like mass produce, um, artwork, it, it's just like astounding to see how much growth I can have in a short span of time. So for instance, when the pandemic uh, shut us down almost a year ago, like we're approaching the anniversary of when the world shut down, uh, or our world, I should say, um, I started drawing with black paper and, and white pencil. And I had never done that before. I mean, I, I shouldn't say never did it. Like I, I did work with charcoal, but I always worked on white paper with black charcoal. So now I was doing the, the inverse of that. And the first drawing I did, it was a portrait of my grandfather. And um, it was okay, but like it came out looking more like a like an old school negative from uh Polaroid pictures and, and whatnot. I'm like, you know, it's okay, but like, I know, I think I can do better than that. And then I drew for like the next four days. And in four days, the growth that I had of understanding how to work in reverse, like 
it, it just like blew my mind. I'm like, look what this was day one. This is day four. And it just, it was astounding how much growth when you're given that time to do it, you can actually have. Um, so again, another reason why I hope we don't go back to normal pandemic, post pre-pandemic lifestyles, just because I think people, you know, for the first time were able to see that, that growth in themselves when they're able to have a few minutes to keep working on their craft. Right. And how do you think you evolved over the years as an artist in general? Um, I, I don't know if I, I evolve is really the great thing. I think I'm still kind of doing the same type of content. Um, I have, I've primarily always been a portrait artist. I like portraits. Um, I'm finding that I also have a niche for animals as well, specifically birds. Um, so I'm kind of honing in on that. I like dramatic lighting. Um, I do like to have more of a mood and not, not necessarily um, complete, complete realism, but I do like realism. Um, you know, I, and I've, I've dabbled a little bit here and there too with uh, my aunt, she did a lot with collage. I've been using a lot of her old collage books uh, to create my own collages as well, which is a whole different medium and style and also very tedious because <laughs> you don't realize how tedious collage work is when you, until you have to like actually cut out every single piece of paper. <laughs> so it's not like when you had those um, teen magazines where you cut out the boy bands and you yeah, just no, pasted no, on them. Well, a little different, I'm guessing. <laughs> you didn't have just the uh, Backstreet Boys necessarily and sync your collage wall, I think was everybody's wallpaper back yeah, in the day. I, I'm pretty sure my sister and I, we shared a room. We, we definitely had the collage wall. Oh yeah, couldn't <laughs> go wrong with the collage wall. Oh yeah, cut out Leonardo DiCaprio. Tiger Beat. Oh my God, back in the day collages, those were the best. Yep. Um, you know, it's, and that's, I think, that's very honorable of you to say, because I think everyone has these goals for themselves as an artist and they don't reach it. Sometimes they get discouraged, but I think in your sense, you, you truly enjoy it and your goal in itself is just to allow it to take over you and find relaxing pieces of it, which is really neat. I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves when we create anything. I think we have this idea of what it comes wanted to be, what we want it to look like. It doesn't even look like the picture and we get discouraged. So that's some good advice, especially for coming from an artist like yourself. It's it's good to know that you don't have to evolve right away. You just, sometimes you can enjoy the moment. And even in those four days, you evolved so little and not so little, but little enough that you are proud of what you've done in those four days, so. Yeah, I think it's also important too, to also um, realize, and I, I know that this has kind of come up more with the pandemic, um, that people becoming small business owners and kind of trying to um, capitalize on their craft, but you don't have to. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of people feel pressured that if they're going to create something, they must make money off of it and that's just a deep ingrained sense of capitalism that we have in this country that everything has to be sellable and it, it doesn't like you can create bad art for the sake of creating bad art and there's been plenty of bad art that has ended up in museums like <laughs> can you we know, talk about the Dada movement yeah the fact <laughs> that you say that I'm not an artist I don't I don't pretend to understand art I'll go to a museum and look at it I'm like isn't that what we just saw yesterday or didn't we just see that in the other room the other five rooms isn't this the same as everything and then I'll look mm -hmm. at a dot and I'm like I don't get it I don't get it and you see, you know, it's funny, I see some stories or articles where some guy just put sunglasses on the ground in an art gallery and everyone was there looking at it the whole time. Um, so, you know, it's just, I think art has such an open 
description of what everyone thinks. And you, like you said, it doesn't have to be sold. It's if, if you're doing it for you, then that's, that's great. It's, it's part of who you are. It helps you cope. It helps you handle the crazy world around us, especially during the pandemic. Um, but you do do a little co-sales of, um, sorry, not co-sales, but sales of jewelry. Yeah. I mean, and again, it's primarily going to like people in the local area. It's not going anywhere crazy. Um, but, you know, I had someone, she was uh, doing a fundraiser for um, a woman who's, uh, I believe she had cancer. Um, so she was running an auction. So like I donated pieces to that for the auction. So like, I'm cool with that stuff. And if I sell a few pieces here and there, awesome. But what I try to do also as an artist is then go out and buy from another artist um, to kind of help support the, the art community. So um, for example, um, our, our friend there, Alicia, you know, she's got her new um, ritual gifts boutique that she's been trying to, since, you know, she's a makeup artist right now and is not able to work during the pandemic. Um, you know, so I bought a couple pieces from her, her and she in turn, I'm sure at some point or another, she'll buy a piece from me. Um, so we just kind of keep the money flowing in her circle really, but. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I totally agree when it comes to local sales and just buying from artists. And it's nice because if since you do it on your own and you have your own business, you're willing to work with the customer and kind of give them what they want rather than working for maybe big companies or gift shops where they're always looking for the trends, which is small, small business gift shops, I'm sure have local artists all the time showcase their work. But it's nice when you're creating something for a friend or a family member or someone reaches out it's a lot more meaningful. Absolutely. And I, I definitely like creating pieces with a purpose rather than um, creating just for the sake. I mean, when I create for the sake of creating something, it's just because I want to see if I can do the thing, like whatever it is, whatever design or try and reverse engineer a piece that I saw online um, to try and figure it out, which is cool because that's all a whole different kind of thinking too, when you're trying to take a product that you're just seeing an image of and trying to deconstruct that. Um, so that's, you know, that's more of a learning experience, but when someone comes to me with a request, it's it's more heartfelt, you know, trying to get them to create whatever it is, a gift or present or just a signature piece that they're looking for. And it's hard because the amount of money you ask for is for all the hard work you put in. And, you know, they could obviously go to Amazon or find it cheap or an Etsy, but um, how do you approach that when it comes down to, you know, the amount of money you ask for when it comes to pieces? Um, well, bringing up Etsy is actually a good um, place to start. Generally, what I do is I go online and I see what other people are asking. What are other artists asking and getting for their work? And I find comparable pieces that to what I've made and I kind of price accordingly. Right. And it's hard because everyone's like, well, I'll just go on Amazon and buy that same piece for five bucks where I think it's just for me, when I buy pieces, I know your heart is going into it. You, you, you're making time because you're busy. You have a family and you're really making the time to make a piece that means something to someone else. Um, just recently, like I posted on my Instagram that I got a glass pendant from a I saw that. <laughs> old, old friend of mine in college. And I, he's like, what do you want? And I'm like, look, my son loves the sky. He loves uh, the moon, always talks about the stars. Just make me something really cool like that. And it came out perfect. And now you have a story behind it. You're not right. just running off to Amazon and buying it from a third party seller. You know the person, you know, mm -hmm. you could go to them for another piece. And I'm willing to spend that extra money. And I think that's the advice I try to give a lot of people who want it, who are looking to buy things. I'm like, look, just buy local, spend the extra money because you're supporting that person's craft and talent. And they actually, 
they enjoy what they're doing. They're giving up their time to do this rather than going on Amazon and buying from a third party, party seller. And who knows where they got it from? Who knows well, who made it? I think it's when it comes down to jewelry, there's always a story behind it. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool for you to do. Um, is there a website or any way to get in contact for that? Um, I do have a, a business Facebook page and um, business Instagram that I can be contacted through, which is uh, Paint by Night. Um, I think one of my accounts might have a number with it. I, I actually am one of those people that have like four Instagram accounts and I can't recall what all of them are. <laughs> oh yeah, so my Instagram account would be paint underscore by underscore night. And that's um, that's probably the primary one um, because the Facebook one doesn't seem to actually be as functional as I would like it to be. So I've been really working, which is ironic because Instagram is owned by Facebook. You would think that they would be easier. I don't know. <laughs> because Facebook's getting sued every other month. Yeah. Um, you know, and you also do commission pieces, correct? For yes. people who are looking for, I, I love that dog one you did. Thank so how you. would they get in contact the same way to get in contact with you for commission pieces? Yep. Just direct messages through Instagram is, is the easiest way to do that. Awesome. Um, in general, you know, just as a mom and a teacher and so busy, you know, what is your advice or recommendation about being, doing these creative artworks and, you know, finding your own hobby in terms of separating yourself from the title of mom and teacher, how does this help you? It honestly is the only way I'm preserving my identity. <laughs> you know, like carving out those small minutes uh, for yourself. I mean, it's great. I like doing art with my kids um, because I'm, I'm sharing a piece of that with them. Um, but you definitely do need to reserve time for you to do it. And I think there's actually some, some term now that they have for like staying up way past your bedtime, not like night owl, but like revenge. Like, I have I no idea. Oh, there's this, this, this term that I, that I've seen on the internet recently about like intentionally staying awake because you just can't cope with the fact that you have such few minutes to yourself before the grind starts again. I'm like, oh my God, that's what I do when I'm staying up really, really late, um, you know, and working for six hours on a piece in the middle of the night, you know, it's like, it's reclaiming your identity before you were all these other things. So, I mean, when I was a teenager, I would spend the entire Saturday in my room, I wouldn't come out. You know, I would just be drawing all day and my mom would be so mad at me that I have charcoal over everything because we had a white carpet and it would just be a big old mess, you know, but I would spend that much time alone with myself. And as a wife and mother and teacher, I am always at someone's beck and call. Someone is always needing me for something. And it is really so important that even if you have to sacrifice your sleep schedule a little bit um, to find those hours and, and hours truly to reclaim that little bit of yourself where no one needs you. No one needs you for a damn minute. <laughs> you know? And I think, you know, it, that's the hardest thing because there's so much pressure put on parents in general to just be that perfect parent. And if you do something for yourself, you can sometimes be looked at as selfish, but I think mm -hmm. having just any hobby in general, you know, like you said, you don't need to make money off of it. That's, that's not a, I mean, it helps, I'm sure. Yeah, but <laughs> it's great. I can. think that also one puts more pressure on you again, it and does. it's not helping you cope with just your daily hustle and bustle. 
Um, and that's not going to help you create either, you know, having that pressure. And I think, you know, going back to one of your initial questions about becoming a, a professional artist, that was another reason why I didn't want to go into becoming a professional artist is that I didn't want to be forced to create things that I didn't want to create, you know, and having to be under someone's back and call that create this. Well, like I can't create that, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's hard because trends change so, mm -hmm. so fast, you know, first Keith Harding was in, and then you had, um, uh, what's that graffiti artist who does uh, it's he does the um, graffiti on the streets oh my yeah. god I forget his name I remember his name I'll welcome to mom life yeah um, right <laughs> but you know it did our our changes in the it's like it's like fashion it changes so it fast how do you honestly keep up and sell it like a business and mm -hmm. it would take away I think if it was me I couldn't work that way. I would want to do what I feel passionate about and what I feel is good to me um, in terms of creating art. I think that's for anybody who wants to create a job for themselves is they do it for themselves and not everyone else. And that's the hardest part when you do something and start selling it, you get caught up in trying to please others. And then all of a sudden it turns from pleasing you to hating everything. Absolutely. Um, so that's the hardest part, you know? And I think, like you said, it helps your identity. It helps you recognize who you were before. Not that being a mom or a teacher is bad, but it gives you the opportunity to find your confidence back again and who you are, what you truly enjoyed before the crazy life came about. Um, so I think that's hard for parents and moms to just kind of find a hobby. You know, sometimes you feel guilty. Mm -hmm. Um just doing, taking time out of your life. And sometimes we'll have to stay up till 1 a.m. reading a book or crafting, doing jewelry. I mean, is that a recommendation you kind of give to some moms? I would say Or so, just absolutely. adults in general? Just adults in general is that like, you really do need to find that time, whether it be exercise or, you know, crafting or cleaning or whatever, whatever it is that sparks your joy that helps you feel better. Like you, you need to do the thing, whatever the thing is, do the thing. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it, you know, it, what is it about the arts that you just love and helps you cope with everything around you, in addition um, to, you know, helping you relax? But what is it about art that really brings out the positive pieces in your life? Um, just the fact that I can take something that didn't exist and then make it exist. I think that's really cool, you know, that I'm almost like, you know, playing God with my own creativity. <laughs> like I can take these, you know, these hardware store things that I bought, you know, in the, in the wire aisle. And it's just, you know, stuff that would normally be in the, in the walls of a house that you would never see. And I can craft it into some beautiful thing that someone wants to wear on their neck, you know? So that's, it's pretty cool to see things come to life by your own hands. So that's how God must have felt. He's like, man, I molded these people. Yeah. This, this is amazing. <laughs> Look what I did. <laughs> Look what I made. I made this. I made this. <laughs> he must be looking down and just shaking his head. I made this. Like, oh, I made this. <laughs> <laughs> is there a reset button? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can I do this over? <laughs> is there other redos? He's looking at the whole universe. I, I made this. <laughs> um in addition to julie and paint you also created a book do you mind yeah. just chatting a little about that's really cool i i gotta say not that i don't enjoy everything you do but i think writing a little kid's book is by far the coolest yeah i feel really cool <laughs> <laughs> you should be as a mama too you are cool 
Thanks. Um, but yeah, that's, so that was, again, one of those things that my, my dad always said, oh, you could write your own children's books. And he was really, he really always kind of pushed me in that direction. Um, more for capital, more than creativity. He's like, you have this creativity, you could become an author. And that's always something I've wanted to do. Now, granted, my degrees are in literature. Um, so I've really focused more on the analysis of literature. So I know I have all this, the skills necessary to create the thing. Um, but like, I never took a lot of writing classes. Um, again, not that I'm not good at writing, like I'm, I'm decent at it. Um, but I, I finally decided to, you know, sit down and, and try and make that a reality. And unfortunately, my, my dog passed away this year during the pandemic. And that was really awful and sad. Um, but what's kind of cool is that, you know, the, the book is called Daisy Dachshund's Day of the Dog Park. And um, I'm before she passed away, um, I modeled the little dog after my dog Lucy that that passed. Um, so after she passed, it was pretty cool to have this book that was created with her in mind. And um, I did not do the art for this. I'm not a digital artist. So I did hire out um, for someone to create the digital images because I wanted to look more professional um, than what I would actually put up. Um, but I sent her pictures of my dog and I said, this is the dog that I would like you to use um, as the model. So she did, and it's just really cute. And, um, you know, it, it means a lot more than, so I mean, even if I don't make any money off of it, it's, it's meaningful to me because it's the last thing I have that reminds me of my dog. <laughs> so your kids must love it. The book too, as well. They, they do. And my daughter, she's like, mom, we can make all kinds of stories about all the crazy things Lucy did. Like, remember the time she did this? Remember the time she did that? Um, no, granted the, the dog park story itself really doesn't have anything to do with what Lucy did other than the fact that it's really funny to you know she was a miniature dachshund so her legs were all of like three inches long um but it was really funny to watch her play with other dogs that were you know like Labradors and whatnot and like she cannot keep up whatsoever but she would try her darndest to uh to roll with the big dogs and she had an attitude that was the size of a big dogs as well um but you know I mean it's actually it's a book about body positivity more than anything else um where you know Daisy Dachshund she's trying to keep up with the big dogs and she can't and she's sad but Dachshunds are by nature burrowing dogs they're dogs that are intended to be small so that they can go into badger holes to hunt so um you know tragedy strikes at the dog park and only Daisy Dachshund is able to fit in this gopher hole to save the day. I don't want to reveal too much about it. Um, so she realizes that her stubby legs serve a purpose and she's beautiful just the way she is. So <laughs> that's incredible. How would we uh, find the book? Where, where... You can find it um, on Amazon. It's um, it's not in print. It is just a digital virtual book. Um, so if you have Kindle, that's where you can access it. You never know. It might be uh, the next Peppa Pig or Door the right? Explorer. You, you <laughs> never know with all these stories, your daughter's ready to like get you on board she's got a storyboard ready do you think exactly. you're gonna write another book about uh lucy or daisy yes um so I, I think i will probably um i think i would like to either venture into digital work that i could do the illustrations myself as well to kind of take out that other middleman or um work with a publisher i did everything myself i, I again i don't know if we mentioned this on air but i found out how to do this through a TikTok. um this woman you know posted a one minute TikTok on how to self-publish and I went through all the motions and, and here we are. Um, granted her video didn't quite go into the amount of work it actually really is. Um, you know, she makes it seem like it's bing, bang, boom. But if you want to go into things like owning the copyright to your own work, you do need to work with the copywriter. You do need to, you know, 
either find an editor or really make sure your proof, proofreading skills are great. Um, hiring an illustrator. Now there's a, an, a website called Fiverr. Uh, I think it's F-I-V-V-E-R or F-I-V-E-R-R. -R. I forget where the double letter is, but that is basically a work for hire, uh, artist work for hire, where you can find people who will do really cheap illustrations for you. Um, but if you want any kind of quality illustration or more than one illustration, you are going to pay a bit, as you should. You're paying for an artist's work, so you, you should put up the money. How long did the process take to create the whole book? Um, actual work time and not procrastination work time. <laughs> um, I'd say probably from beginning to end without the, the time, like the intervals in between of me just like stalling, probably two weeks um, because the artist uh, that I hired required seven days for the amount of illustrations that I asked for. And I asked for a book cover and uh, a book a back as well. Um, so total, I asked for about seven illustrations to be done. Um, I had to write the story as well. So that took a couple of days editing it. And then um, there was a, a wait time with uh, contacting copyright, making sure I don't have the copyright. And I didn't actually get the copyright paperwork until like a month later. Um, but when they take your money, it's pretty certain that they're <laughs> going to give you the copyright piece of paper. Um, so yeah, so I mean, and I actually did more than in the TikTok video. The girl was talking about like hundred word stories, which are like, you know, children's board books that you would be creating and only have a few words per page. Um, so I definitely did more of the actual fleshing out of the story too. So that took a little bit longer, but yeah. How much did it cost in total? Um, I'd say it was close to $200, uh, maybe 250 or maybe pushing 300 because I had to pay the artist. Um, and that was around $150. And then I had to pay the copyright, which is around $65. Um, and then, you know, plus also that even if it may not be actual money that I spent, but like your time, the time that you would have charged yourself if you were, you know, working. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And I think that's another thing, um, something people need to consider is when you're doing any type of artwork or um, asking for commission is you're paying for the time, not just the materials and the talent, you're also paying for the time they take out of their day, even if it's from 1am to 2am for them to create the piece. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, that's really good to know. It's kind of like the back end of how books come about. Everyone's like, you know, it's, it, I think with anything, it's just knowing the hard work and what the back end looks like is always mm -hmm. something we need to consider when buying something and thinking about the price and just how much work actually goes in just a, a you know kids books take two seconds to read but look how long it took you to create in the investment you had to do to make that kids book right um, and I think I have to say the um Kindle Direct Publishing, which is what I use to actually build the book, is astounding. Like they really have made the process of creating a book. I didn't even use all the features that I could have because I didn't know they had all the features until I got into it. Um, but like just designing your own book, I mean, they've really made it easier to self-publish a book. Um, if you don't have a publisher, you don't know where to begin with a publisher, if you don't want to pay for a publisher, um, if you want to go down that self-publishing route. Um, and there's all kinds of software out there. I think Autocrit is another one that has self-editing -ed uh, software that you can, again, you have to put up a price or have a subscription, um, but it's a way to start if you're, you're looking into becoming you know, self-published. And I think that just kind of backtracks to what we talked about before is nowadays to be creative, you don't need that degree anymore. 
You, right. There's so many resources, so many applications, websites, programs to utilize. And there's videos on how to, to utilize them everywhere. And I think that's, you know, every, of course, education is important having a degree, but this gives the opportunity to start earlier mm-hmm. before you have to go get that degree, whether you're in middle school or high school, or it's a family thing, or you're a stay-at-home mom and you just didn't get a degree or you're a parent who just couldn't go to college at the time, this is giving everybody the opportunity to create something that they dreamed of creating without having to pass in a resume, be judged by their decisions of what type of education they received or didn't receive, and just creating something, whether it be for uh, a salary income or just on the side. So that's really neat to know that you can do that without having to spend thousands and thousands of dollars. I think that's the, a big myth that we all think about is you have to invest all this money to get something you want. Absolutely. And I think right now with the state of American education, where it's becoming pretty much only the elite are going to be able to get a college degree unless something breaks. Um, you know, really the internet has made a leveling platform for people that education is accessible to all, Um, you know, either for a small fee or if you can find, you know, online YouTube uh, subscriptions, you know, just the the other day I was doing workout videos. Like that's something that I would have to go to a class to do at $15 a pop um, anytime that I wanted to go where I have this person online who's posting her content for free and I can learn how to do all those things for free. So it really does level the playing field um, socioeconomic wise. And it gives, I think, kids the opportunity who are not good in academics, but thrive mm-hmm. in the technology, um, entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. You know, I just watched a video on a kid who created the fidget spinners. He's yeah. like, I just, it's just, it's just incredible. You know, I don't know if we give teens or kids as much credit as they deserve when it comes oh, to their entrepreneurship skills because all you know you see on instagram and tiktok all these kids creating using their creative outlets to create a small business mm-hmm. you know it's in, to make jewelry to make snack boxes to do this if i was a kid i would i was still playing relievio i'm playing how right. to go see like i never <laughs> thought i could make money and it's i think for anybody any age we are able to do and i think that's the great thing about the internet like you said it's giving us all the opportunity to create what we want and market and there, you know, it allows people who actually enjoy what you are creating. It just is not, you're not going to a store and saying, do you want to buy this from me? Um, and the customer's like, no, we don't like it. it. You know, the social media is bringing all these people together and allowing any type of artwork you create and it's giving them an audience. There's someone out there who's going to like it. Uh, you know, there's someone else out there who loves uh, dog dashons, is it? Was yeah. It? So Dachshund, there's someone, yeah. you know, there, there's, I'm sure there's people out there who oh, love yeah. dashons and they're going to want to buy your book or even just body positivity. It's it's just so great on how we have the opportunity. You know, you're a teacher, you're a mom, your life is crazy. And the fact that you're able to create all these different outlets and really show the world is just incredible. Thanks so much. Yeah, of course. 
I mean, I, I can't create a thing, so I'm impressed in itself. Not um, true, because you're right here creating this, this podcast. This is my creation. This is See, this and is it still is a creation. And I'm sure, you know, looking at that sound boom that you got there, right there, you had to invest in those things. That's and, true. That's you know, very true. So you have and, to you think know, of it that way. And you're creating a narrative right now. So Well, thanks. See, that's your teacher side. That's your teacher <laughs> mom side. I like it. You know, but, you know, think I, as busy as you are, I appreciate you being on the show. It was really fun to catch up with you as well. As you guys don't know, Jackie and I go way back. Yes, we We've do. known each other for some time. She actually tutored me to be a teacher that I'm not anymore. So thank you. I don't, failed in my tutorship. Yeah, don't, that's not on her feet, right? There. That's not on her shoulders. I, I didn't go further. But um, if you guys want to check out Jackie's stuff, again, I will post the Instagram link. Um, she said also her Facebook, but the best way is to get in touch with her through Instagram. Again, she makes jewelry. She does commission painting. She has that book and you can check that out on Amazon. I'll post a link to that. And Jackie, again, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Allie. And once again, this is Allison from The Locally Source. I hope you all enjoyed the show and 